Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining us again this week. Today, we will talk to someone whose job it is to make people happy. But before we come to him, we start as we do each week with the definition of content communication as it relates to government and the public sector. So content communication is a strategic, measurable and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So there we go. Now, today my guest is Clint Parr, and he is the head of people and culture at Cleminger BBDO, which is Australia's largest and most successful marketing communications company. Fantastic company. Uh, Clients including uh, the Gallery of Modern Art, Transport Accident Commission in Victoria, Tourism Australia, and any number of other uh, agencies, clients that they've had, you know, over the years. Very, very, very successful. But, but Clint's job, as I say, is head of people and culture. And in Clint's very own words, his job and the purpose and mission of his life is to deliver happiness. That's happy employees that make happy clients. Happy clients make happy companies, happy companies make happy communities, and happy communities make a happy world. So I like how that all comes together. But what I want to know is how is Clint making people happy when we're living in very stressful, ever-changing, stretched times? We're all being asked to do more with less We've got technology, we've got change, we've got pace, we've got new channels, we've got expectations, we've got accountabilities, we've got automation, we've got artificial intelligence, we've got machine learning, and we've got to do it all. So Clint, welcome to In Transition, and how can you keep people happy when things are changing as quickly as they are? Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Um, How do we keep people happy? Mate, it's a really great question, and... It's one that I, you know, I work on both in my personal and professional life. Um, from a professional point of view, there's lots of different ways that we can do that. Um, I, I'm looking at uh, oh, countless ways that we do it here, both on an individual level and from a company point of view. Um, so, mate, where, where do you want to start? Okay, well, let's start. So, essentially... I want to look at this from really, you know, the practitioner's point of view. So someone who is perhaps leading a team where they're being asked to do lots and lots and lots of different work and the expectations from their clients, be it, you know, say from a political office or from a senior executive, that this, the team is being asked to continually to do more with less. How do you go setting about the frameworks and the cultures that enables people to deal um, with that, that load of work? Mate, it's, again, it's, 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 a, it's a number of things. 
we're looking at, uh, I mean, the advertising industry as a whole is quite a fast-paced and demanding industry. Um, there's very tight timelines that we're dealing with. Uh, there is lots of meetings. It's very dynamic. Um, you know, we, we require a lot of people to work together in, in sort of collaborative teams. Um, and all these people need to pull together and deliver quite a large amount of work in a very short time frame. Um, the things that we're doing here at the moment is really trying to give people an individual voice to, to deal with their issues. Um, a lot of my job um, is, is what I sort of call pastoral care, um, which is just basically giving people an ear, uh, somebody to come and talk to and unload um, a lot of their stress a lot of the time. Um, the other things we do is give them access to, to counselling services and, and all sorts of things like that to, to deal with the stressful side of things. Um, the other thing that we're working on as an organisation is really around um, taking away a lot of the unnecessary processes and, and paperwork and admin and all that sort of stuff that's uh, been parts of people's jobs and finding new ways to automate processes and, uh, you know, do things digitally that makes things quicker and easier so that people don't feel as stressed uh, in, in trying to just get through the work that they need to do. Okay, well, let's go through a couple of those um, just sort of one at a time really. When people are coming to you in this day and age and they're sitting down with you and they're saying, Clint, I am hassled, I'm bothered, you know, there are, things are getting on top of me. Are the, what are the top two or three things that people are generally saying to you in this day and age that is really having an impact on their quality of life? Um, yeah, great question. There, there's a few things and it's different for different people. Um, a lot of it is interpersonal relationship stuff. Um, workplaces are, are funny places, man. You, you come here, you're, you have to work uh, or you're here for the majority of your week uh, forced to get along with people who you maybe not necessarily would deal with in outside of work if you, if you had the choice, uh, and you're kind of forced to deal with these guys and and create something uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. So there's a lot of people who get stressed out with you know not getting along with people because there's different styles of, of ways of working and that sort of stuff, and so. Um, in those sorts of situations, a lot of it is just listening to them, um, understanding their concerns and then giving them strategies as to how to deal with those sorts of issues, getting them to understand, um, you know, what sort of stylistic differences there are between different people and maybe how to address different problems. Um, so that, that's probably a big one that, um, that we sort of come across. Um, another one that uh, people sort of come to me with is, uh, the, the sense of having too much to do and not enough time to do it, um, you know, and that's not unique to, to our industry. That seems to be a problem that everyone's facing around the world at the moment, this culture of busyness and everyone's feeling busy and all that sort of thing. So um, in those situations, it's just about, uh, I guess, giving them a time to uh, unload, take a deep breath and, and reprioritise. And, you know, I help them with strategies around, uh, you know, time management or um, prioritising different things, um, you know, and, and in some cases going, okay, well, let's let's work with your manager and take some of that workload off you and give that to somebody else. Um, mental health is seeming to be becoming a uh, another issue that we, we deal with a little bit more. 
Um, and I think that might be because the stigma around mental health is um, thankfully starting to to uh, die down a little bit, uh, or is not is not um, you know scary for people, and so people are a little bit more open about that. Um, so for things like that, we are running training sessions here for our management team around identifying mental health um, issues. What what are our responsibilities? Uh, how do we you know how do you deal with those sorts of sorts of issues what what should you say what shouldn't you say um you know how do you recognize the warning signs so um those are sort of three things that um seem to pop up a little bit yeah well they're all things that i think you know people again working in government communication which in this day and age is not too different to the private sector in terms of demands that that people are facing and workloads and and other things but i'd be interested just in terms of a cultural sense how do you encourage you know that culture of speaking up that culture of vulnerability that allows people to feel safe to say look you know I'm either struggling with this particular person or I really can't get out of bed at the moment because you know I'm feeling like everything's very dark around me Mm. mate I the way that I've done it here is by making myself very available and making it very clear to people why I'm here and uh, that I want to help them um, the other thing I've done is I went to a, a great deal of effort when I joined uh, the agency to build personal relationships with people. Uh, so for the first two weeks that I worked here, I wore a T-shirt that said the new guy uh, and literally walked around for two weeks learning everybody's name, um, getting to know them as a person, who they are, what they do, all that sort of thing. So that when the time came that there was an issue that they wanted to discuss, um, they knew who I was, they knew what I was about, um, and they felt uh, a level of comfort to come and seek me out. Um, I like that. That's, that's, that's a very, very smart way to go about it because it's, it's, you made yourself vulnerable before, you know, transacting any sort of a relationship. Exactly, yeah. But it's also, okay, that's your job. You're the head of people and culture and you've really got to be the person to get out there. But to me, that sounds like a really good piece of advice just for anybody who is either working in uh, or is reassigned to a new area is to get up out of your chair and go and have those conversations, you know, well in advance of whenever you may sort of look to engage with some other person to establish that that human connection before it turns into a work connection. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it was, it was quite interesting. When I went through and did that uh, exercise when I, when I first started, I had a number of people come and talk to me. We're just in our office here that I'm sort of uh, directly dealing with on a day-to-day basis. We've got about 120-odd people. Um, and it was interesting that I would go around and, and talk to these people and learn their names and, and all that sort of thing. And people who'd worked here for a year, two years, three years were like, oh, geez, I wish, you know, I'd learned everybody's names and, and could go and do what you're doing. I'm like, mate, get up out of your chair now. <laughs> Walk over to that person you don't know and say hello and just start a conversation. I said, it's, it's not difficult. It's never too, too late to do it. Um, but yeah, people were like, oh yeah, I, I wish I could have done that. And so I've encouraged, we, we do a lot of sort of social events and things like that here in advertising, uh, and in our agency, um, the design that are designed to, um, you know, get people out of their own little teams and their own little microcosms within the, within the office and get them talking to other people and, and, uh, and building those relationships. 
But but I yeah, and, and I can see that from an organisational, cultural point of view, top-down approach, this is the way that we're going to do it. But I think the genius in what you're talking about is really this is the bottom-up approach. You take responsibility for your own happiness, your own contribution in, the, in, in your workplace, and one way that you're going to be able to do that is to go out and expose yourself and go out and tap people on the shoulder because, as you say, people are often – they really want to have those conversations because they – you know, we're all people. We all want to talk to other people. We want to discover their interests, their their quirkiness, and perhaps by doing that, um, you know, we might sort of short circuit some of those tensions in the workplace. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. from a cultural point of view, just that top down, how how hard and 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 how what do you look to your leadership from um, in terms of culture? What are the things that you are looking um, from your leaders to be able to communicate into the agency? What sort of direction are you looking for? Um, mate, I'm very uh, passionate about um, organisations having a strong sense of purpose and uh, and clearly defined values. Um, and so, from sort of our exec leadership team, uh, the things I've been talking to them about is you know clearly defining that for ourselves, our, our sense of why we're here. Um, you know, why does Clemenger exist, and, and why should anyone care uh, if Clemenger was to cease operations tomorrow? Um, apart from the, the uh, people who'd be out of work who would probably find jobs elsewhere, why would anyone else in the world care um, that, that we are no longer here? So um, I think that that's where your culture comes from. Um, culture is just your, your sense of purpose and how you live out your values. Um, so I talk to them about that um, and ask them to be very clear about that and be very authentic in how they communicate that to our uh, employees and in authentic in how they live those uh, values on a day-to-day basis. Now, um, as somebody who's sort of worked, obviously, across a you know, range of different places over the years, but also, you know, observing other businesses in the advertising world, which you do, where you get to sort of look into other people's places, how seriously do you think people take this issue of culture, which is, you know, as you say, defining that why, you know, defining that purpose and then and values? Because I'm interested to know, um, you know, a lo- lots of people have got, you know, things up on written on walls, but how many people do you think talk about it regularly to embed it into their cultures? In the advertising industry, I don't think we do it very well at all, um, if, if I'm brutally honest. Um, it's we're, we're kind of like the, the mechanic with the, with the busted car. Um, you know, we, we know how to communicate. We tell everybody else how to communicate and all that sort of thing. But um, when it comes to doing it ourselves, um, we, we've traditionally in the advertising industry, not just here but as a whole, uh, haven't been particularly great at it. And is that because... Um, agencies of again, like many government agencies, government departments, um, task-driven, you know, ultimately so busy that it just gets lost in the day-to-day and perhaps the immediate business benefits of having a strong culture are lost in that culture of, of busyness. I think so, mate. The, the other thing is if you, if you look at how sort of the, the advertising industry came about and a lot of the advertising modern advertising agencies now were started by creative people um, and as they are creative people they've kind of wanted to uh, almost buck the trend and not be associated with uh, being like a, a corporate company so they 
you know, they've all got very big open plan offices and things like that because, uh, God forbid, that everybody sits there in their own little office. Um, and so rather than doing what, you know, the corporate sector may have done around really clearly defining those purpose and values, they substituted that with building their cultures around uh, parties and ping pong tables and, you know, uh, beer fridges and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and that sort of defined the culture of a lot of the advertising industry for the last few decades. Um, and I think it's only in the last sort of um, maybe five to ten years that advertising agencies have, have started to look at that and go, well, we need, we need more. You know, our, our culture can't be just about who has the best parties. Uh, it needs to be around um, what we do, um, you know, for the world. Uh, how we invest in our in our employees, um, you know, and, and the experience, you know, how, how we live out our values. They're, they're starting to, to get it, I think, and go, well, you know, it's not just corporate uh, speak. It's actually valuable. Do you think that that's a response from the employees, that they're looking for that purpose, or is it just a – you know, an, an evolutionary part of of the the development of of culture around um, the communications business. Probably the latter, mate. I think it's just um, there's a bit more maturity now, and um, you know, uh, a lot of or there's been a couple of examples recently of of advertising agencies um, being bought by places like Accenture and and PwC and those kinds of businesses. Um, so, and the other thing is, uh, we used to just compete against each other. So it was usually, it was traditionally just one advertising agency competing against another advertising agency for business. Um, but now we're competing with the likes of Google and Facebook uh, and other big companies like that who have gone out and do have clearly defined purpose and values um, that define their culture. Uh, and so we've realized that if we want to compete against those guys, we need to compete for talent with those guys. And therefore, we need to compete with how we, uh, you know, define and develop our culture. So I'm interested. That's a, I think that's a fascinating observation. The first one, I think, uh, around these big consulting firms who have now, you know, they're stretching themselves out into the, the creative space to think, well, you know, we... We can give all sorts of other advice. Why can't we give this advice? And they're, you know, acquiring the capability through, you know, senior experienced people and other capability. And then you talk about, you know, the, the you know, those massive platforms, you know, Google and Facebook who are soaking up and sucking up all of the growth in the, you know, the digital um, advertising budgets that are that, that are going into the marketplace. How how is that model, that traditional model that you've been involved in, how is it evolving? Um, how do you how would you describe how things are changing where you're working there? Um, how we've done it here is really just around education. Um, so I, I've spent a lot of time here with our exec team uh, explaining the differences really like really basic stuff to them, explaining the differences around the expectations that millennials have um, compared to, say, what baby boomers had around their employment. And um, it's really just about educating these guys and going, you know, the world has changed. Um, the way we need to operate needs to change to keep up with that. Um, so, yeah, a lot of it's just been about education for us, I think. But in terms of that also, though, have, 
are you at the advertising agency who you know obviously very skilled in creativity are you then looking at for example management consulting and think well actually we could provide those services and why don't we go and attack them and and go after their business like they're coming after ours uh, man, that's that's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's interesting. Like there, there's areas which uh, maybe not to the management consultancy level, um, but certainly you know there's a, there's a growth areas in terms of uh, data, uh, social, customer experience, um, and those sorts of areas which uh, traditionally probably. Uh, well, social hasn't really been traditional, but they haven't sort of traditionally sat within advertising, creative advertising agencies. Um, and those things are sort of starting to fall under our remit a lot more. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's an evolving business and that's kind of what makes it exciting because you can, you can apply creative thinking to all sorts of areas and, um, yeah, it's, what, it's kind of why it's fun to be here. Yeah, sure. And, you know, with, with all that change going on, um, obviously uh, – Education is part of of the antidote, you know, being able to to move and adjust and change. But what what other things are you are you looking to do? Are you are you hiring different types of people with different types of skill sets? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, one of the the easiest areas to talk about is uh, this area of content um, and you know, developing content for say Facebook platforms or, or YouTube or all those sorts of things. Um, you know, the, the types of companies that we're dealing with now who are doing that are very different. And so therefore we've got to go out and hire very different people. So, uh, one of the, the, the roles that we've sort of been looking for recently is what we're calling a, a predator, um, which is like a, a pr- producer and editor, um, you know, who can sort of go out there, shoot some content, bring it back, edit it all really quickly. And it's sort of like a... Uh, a person who is maybe kind of doing three people's jobs all in one. Um, so we're, we're looking at, at things like that, um, you know, in that area of customer experience where we're looking for people who've got um, really got good strategic background in that area. Um, you know, we're seeing in the social media side of things, we're seeing people who've come from more sort of like journalistic backgrounds and, and things like that. So it's, yeah, we're certainly having to get, um, uh, you know, very, very creative in terms of where we're hiring people from now, which is uh, quite different for us. You know, it's no longer a case that we can just go around and, and sort of poach people from other advertising agencies and all that sort of thing. We, we've got to think outside the box. Mm. And your process around doing that, your process about how you define what it is that you need, could you describe how, how, how you do that? Because most of the people who listen to this podcast are involved in uh, government communications. That's their job. They work inside government and they are, again, looking for the similar types of people in terms of the predator. For example, every government department agency now has a predator of some sort. Um, same sort of thing with journalists. Journalists are getting jobs in, in government agencies to help, you know, fuel, um, you know, to create the content to sustain the presences on on Facebook. So how, what sort of guidance can you give to people in terms of the processes that you go through um, to, to uh, first of all, identify the skills that you need, but then um, get them into your agency. Yeah, mate, it's it's a really interesting one. Um, I think what's what's driven our need to do this sort of stuff is um, this this idea of needing sort of low cost quality content. 
um, and how can we deliver? So, how, how can we deliver those projects faster, more cost effective, um, but still maintaining a very high level of quality? Um, and so, it's really cost that drove our our issue there because we had a production department where we could have gone through our normal channel of briefing in um, an idea to our creative department. They come up with a script and a and a beautiful looking um, visual idea. Uh, and then it gets go, goes down to our production department and they have a guy who shoots it and then it goes and gets passed on to an editor and all that sort of stuff. But nowadays with social, you need to react so quickly to uh, to get content up and to respond to, to triggers that are happening out in the world um, that, you know, we were kind of forced into this change. Um, and so we just had to go out there and try and find people. And it was really tricky to start off with, um, you know, trying to identify where do we get these people from and, and all that sort of thing. Um, now it's the, these roles are sort of starting to become a little bit more common. Um, and so it's a bit easy to find them at sort of, uh, you know, production houses or, or things like that. Um, and also like kids coming out of uni, like they, they grow up with this technology and all these different skills. And the millennials seem to be more um, multi-skilled um, than say traditional, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago when people were sort of more specialized into their areas. Um, so we look at what we call uh, T-shaped employees. Um, they're these employees where if you imagine a capital T um, across the top there, they can, they know a little about a lot, um, but then they can go deep in one or two sort of key areas. Um, and that's the sort of skill set that we, that we look for. What sort of a job do you think that the um, vocational education training organisations, your, your TAFEs of the world and the universities are doing in terms of equipping um, these, you know, skillful, bright young people with the right um, tools to be mm. able to deliver value for, for an organisation like Cleminger? Mate, it's, it's hard for them. Like, I think when, you, when we start talking about, like, the predators and things like that, the people that we've hired, a lot of them are, are more self-taught. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're just people who are really interested in that sort of thing and so they jump on YouTube or, um, you know, that, that sort of thing and, and just go and do their own research and muck around with it and, and learn it for themselves. Um, I mean, there, there's definitely, uh, you know, still a place for, for traditional education and, and learning in terms of doing this sort of stuff. But um, a lot of the guys, yeah, that we're getting just seem to be more sort of self-taught and just passionate about those sorts of things. And from your point of view, when you're looking at that, you're quite happy to take someone who can demonstrate the skill as opposed to someone who's got a piece of paper? Yes. Yeah, we are. Um, for a few reasons, often these guys will be able to show us their work. Um, so they, they can come in here and, and they will have, uh, their own websites and things like that and go, here is content that I've created. You can look at what I've done and we can go, that looks really cool or that looks really terrible, um, and make a, a decision based on that. So that's more how we're making decisions rather than going, okay, what qualifications have you got? Yeah, okay, very good. Now, listen, just before we go, we're coming up against time, but the pace of change, um, you know, the role of artificial intelligence, machine learning, you know, really this change that is sweeping through communications is is only starting to kick off in terms of the transformation. How do yeah. you build that resilience into the organisation and that agility into the organisation so is it – you know, Clemager is there in, you yeah. know, 50, 60, 100 years' time. 
Yeah, good question, mate. That's um, that's a, a particular topic of interest for me uh, at the moment. Um, I think we we're we're somewhat um, sheltered from a little bit just due to the nature of a lot of our work. Um, the the sort of the creative side of things, computers are really good at the algorithmic side of stuff, um, but they haven't really cracked the, you know, how to deal with human emotion and um, creative, uh, you know, creative product and all that sort of thing. Um, so there, there's certainly elements of our jobs which we are automating um, and we're embracing that. And I think we, companies basically pay us to be creative uh, and we're looking at ways that we can shape how that works for us, if that makes sense. So, you know, how do how do we want to use digital, and how can we use digital uh, to to affect you know how we work moving forwards, and and we we build that into how we work. So, um, and in terms of that balance between the creativity, the value of the creativity, and the value of the data, you know, heavy a- analytical side of things. Uh, where you know, in terms of that value in in the eyes of the customer, what are they valuing more at the, in this day and age? The, the great the great idea, or the you know the provable data that someone can bring to the table. Mate, it's it's now a, a very good mix between the two, um, and that's something that we've been talking about here quite a lot. Is that um, you know creative ideas that need to be backed up by data, so we can come up with really really wonderful. Um, creative ideas for a business but if it goes into to research and, and whatever and, and people don't like it um, or we can't demonstrate why this creative campaign will work clients generally won't buy it um, yeah. so, so that you know the, the old days of, of creatives coming up with just wonderful big beautiful ideas um, without being able to sort of back it up with hard data um, are kind of gone now. Um, which means that we're having to invest, you know, in, in data strategists and things like that here who can back up all our ideas with, with research and, and data, yeah. Well, Clint, sounds like you've got your hands full there, my friend, with a, with a very big job, you know, major uh, Australian, you know, traditional, you know, one of the giants or if not the giant of Australian um, advertising over many, many years and these changes that are sweeping through the industry and the fact that you you move or die and then these these challenges of culture of, you know, getting different people, more diverse people from cultural backgrounds with different skills, with different challenges at a time of great change. Uh, Sounds like it's going to be a really, really um, interesting challenge for you, an interesting business challenge to make sure that you can you can pull together a team because ultimately that's what it is, is a team to be able to deliver value. Exactly. It, it keeps me busy, keeps me employed, <laughs> so I'm happy about There's my wife. So. <laughs> Excellent, mate. Well, thank you very much for joining us today in Transition. And the other thing, um, I, just before you go, just congratulations, I think, on that insight that you've given us around and thanks for that insight about getting up and getting out of your chair and going have a conversation. Go and get to know somebody. Go and ask a question. Go and find out what interests them. Go and find out 
you know, what makes them tick? What's on the inside? Because, you know, when it comes, you know, it's all said and done. We're all people and we all want to feel valued. We want to be understood and we want to be, you know, contributing to that mission and that purpose of the organisations that we work for. And I think it's everyone's responsibility. And often, you know, we look upstairs to the executive, oh, what are they doing? Well, it's not so much what about they, what are they doing? What are you doing? So maybe set yourself a target over the next couple of weeks to go and introduce yourself to maybe, I don't know, one, two, three people who you don't know. And by the end of the year, you've probably introduced yourself to the whole um, department or the, the whole agency. I just think that's such a, a, a great bit of wisdom. So Clint, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. And to you, the listener, thank you very much for coming back for this edition of In Transition. And we'll be back at the same time next week. So for now, it's bye. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.